This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special post-game edition of the VR Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Jared Brugard, with my co-host, Corey Geiger, who is at the game at Beaver Stadium today. Corey, tell me what you thought about Penn State's play today. Hey, you know what, Jared? First and foremost, it was just great to see fans back at Beaver Stadium. 105,000. Last year was crazy, man. Last year was it was just eerie going to the stadium. You and I have talked about this. Just going to an empty 100,000-seat stadium and seeing almost nobody there. Um, so, really, I mean, we can get to the game. And I don't, I'm not sure a whole lot of Penn State fans truly, you know, want to dive deep into what we saw against Ball State. But we will. Uh, but, man, just just – this was college football. This was normal. We, we keep talking about the return to normal, Jared, and we kind of keep getting closer and closer, more return to normal. This just felt uh, like what we're used to seeing in college football. No, I, you know, I see all over social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, um, just the crowd and just that atmosphere. And that's what makes college football so great. You know, the tailgating, the, just the pomp and circumstance of college football and games in Happy Valley. It, it's a special experience. And, you know, seeing a stadium packed like that is, is a sight to be seen. And, and it, it's a sight to, to really cherish and see after that last year. Now, did they have any cardboard cutouts in the stadium today? <laughs> uh, that's a good, I don't think so. I, I, I think all the seats were filled. But let me throw this out, too, because Jared coaches high school football, too. And you mentioned pomp and look at the high school and collegiate levels. Football is about community, passion, spirit, joy. The NFL is a business. And don't get me wrong. NFL fans are wild. But the NFL is an entity in and of itself. High school football is about communities. It's about bringing your local community together, and it's the biggest thing in town. College football is all of that and a lot more because you have, you know, way more people. But that, that's what we saw. I mean, that's what was really missing last year. It was just so bizarre. And I think Penn State, it really hurt Penn State last year, Jared. We talked about this on our pregame, preseason podcast, that when you're used to having 100,000 people in the stands, I think it really hurt Penn State last year as much as any program in the country to not have anybody because you just feed off of that. And so when we talk about getting back to normal, that's really what it, what it was, not only for the football players and, and coaches, but for the fans. I heard from a lot of people. I kind of arrived late to the stadium today. Uh, my kid was playing a, a baseball scrimmage this morning. But I know a lot of my, my uh, friends that were tailgating up there and, and just told me, hey, this is what we missed the most was just this whole uh, atmosphere of getting out there, having fun tailgating and the whole shebang. No, that's a really good point because, you know, last year at Beaver stadium, you saw all the empty seats and the, the S zone was cardboard cutouts. And at the end of the season, there was snow, 
but there aren't very many steel bleachers or aluminum bleachers that are causing false starts like crowds can do. And yeah. the crowd is an actual whole is, is a factor. And when you have 105,000 people connected in a stadium like Beaver stadium or throughout the country, that makes an impact both in the adrenaline from the home team and the nerves from the away team. And, and with a team like ball state coming to town, Obviously, you know, I think it was the second time on the broadcast, what I heard, the second time they played in a crowd that big, they played at the big house a few years ago. It's just so much different. And obviously with it being the first game back and, and over 650 days, it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And that's just the stadium part. That's not, that's not the entire community because you did mention right. the community aspect of it. And Hey, the community part, Jared, that's what, I mean, state college is a small town but it becomes the third largest city in Pennsylvania for Penn state weekends. And that is a huge, huge, it's the identity. And again, folks, for those that care, we'll break down the football game in a minute, but I just don't know that a lot of people care about us breaking down Penn state versus ball state. The, the community aspect of what that football program means to state college, to center County, to this entire region. I mean, it's on display today and it's just, it's just good to have it back. No, and it's a and it's it's great that we brought up the community aspect because we talk about high school football and the bands and the tradition, but but high school football doesn't bring money to the community like college football does. College football is a business, and state college was hurting. There, downtown state college was hurting last year because there was no traffic. Game stories or not game stories, but but game days were just so different and so you know unique last year. It was just a it was just a desert deserted town, and and Penn State makes state college. It makes it what it is, both in size and the uniqueness of the community. Because you, if you've ever been to Penn State, and judging by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, you drive up on 99 or, or wherever you're coming from, and, and you go from nothing, 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 boom, Penn State, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's kind of a stadium <laughs> and, and, and just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes that makes that's what makes it so special and and this is great not only just for the program and, and for college football and the ncaa and whatever but it's great for these small communities throughout the country not just in state college yeah i think that's really well said really well said if you're if you're doing that head on over 99 come on over and see us in altoona our, our little uh our little town not not too far away from state college but you know what there there was a football game 44 13 um, this was to me, if we were going to script out the game, Jared, this, and a lot of times you think you kind of know what's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. And you're like, okay, wonder what happened there. This game played out to script to me, to Penn state. What they wanted to do was get a lead, take control, work on the things you need to work on. i.e., the running game, the offensive line, get a bunch of backups in the game. We all knew that was the that was the game plan going in, and wouldn't you know it? They get up fourteen nothing after two possessions. Um, offense looking good, defense in control, and it's exactly what we were able to see. Jared, they they got a lot of backups in the game. They scored a bunch of points that they probably could have hung a sixty on Ball State. They scored forty four points, and basically the entire third quarter they were just you know going to the running game, even in passing situations. So this, this game really was exactly the kind of tune-up that, you know, James Franklin and his coaches would have wanted. No, and that's, a, and that's what makes games like this matter. Obviously, starting the season at Wisconsin, Penn State had the ball for, for 16 minutes in a, in a game against a, uh, an elite program, right? And this week, 
they completely changed that script. Obviously, Ball State and Wisconsin aren't in the same ballpark. But against the Ball State, you can go out and execute your game plan, really fine-tune some things because, and this is something we're going to get to a little bit later in this podcast, is guess what? Auburn's coming to town. And Auburn's no slouch. But, you know, you go out and you get Clifford into a rhythm. You get, mm-hmm. you know, Noah Kane into a little bit of a rhythm. Probably could have liked to see a little bit more yards per carry. You know, you get Taquan Roberson into the game. That's the stuff that matters. And that's the stuff when they struggled last year, they didn't get to do. And that's the thing that that really makes a team better. It's, it's not about your, your ones. It's about your twos, threes, and fours. The ones that need to step up when somebody gets injured and some, or somebody's ejected to it, to a targeting call or, or this, that, or the other thing. And that is exactly what they wanted to see today. They wanted to get uh, the offensive line work, uh, in, in run blocking, they wanted to get the running backs. They had 48 carries today, 48 rushes today for 240 yards. That's good. And let me get back real, real, real quick. I'm, I'm <laughs> here's the thing, buddy. I'm delaying analyzing this game too much, quite frankly, because I, I just don't think it's worth it in a lot of ways. But Jared, you were busy with the Pirates all night Saturday. As we're, as we're taping this, folks, about an hour ago, Jacksonville State beat Florida State. Now, by the time you're listening to this, you're, you're probably going to know. Jacksonville State is an FCS team. They lost last week to UAB 31 to nothing. UAB just lost to Georgia today like 56 to 7, okay? Jacksonville State goes in and beats Florida State on a 50-something yard Hail Mary in the last second. And the reason I bring that up, Jared, is because this game went to script for Penn State. This was the tune-up game, the cupcake game that everybody kind of thought. But, you know, Jacksonville State should have been that cupcake game to Florida State. You know why it wasn't? Because Florida State's players probably still hung over from an overtime loss to, to Notre Dame last week, probably overlooked the FCS team, probably disrespected that team. And why is all of this important? Because we kind of like to poke fun at James Franklin a little bit for his 1-0, his tweet used to be, you know, uh, Ball State, Ball State, Ball State. He'd repeat the opponent 40 times in his tweet. And we, we found out why this week that James has changed his tweet to 1-0, 1-0, It's become comical to us, Jared. It's become kind of silly – and we look at James Franklin, and we just kind of got to roll our eyes because we've seen it all the time. You're not going to see Penn State lose to Jacksonville State. That's the bottom line. You're not going to see Penn State come in and take anybody lightly. Now, sure, Penn State will lose some games. Penn State will have some bad plays, and, and they'll lose to somebody they maybe shouldn't lose to every now and then. But it's not going to be on a damn 50-yard Hail Mary to an FCS team that lost 31 to nothing the week before. Why is that, Jared? Why do you think that is? Because for, for some of the peccadillos that you can pinpoint to James Franklin, you know, having a tough time beating ranked teams on the road, some, some bad play calls during games, Penn State's ready to play against every opponent every week. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. When, when you see some of the things that happen around the rest of college football, some teams sleepwalking against opponents, when you consider – Florida State just lost to Jacksonville State. That's the one thing, man, that we don't see from this Penn State program because I do think James Franklin uh, prepares these guys to for that one and no mentality and to respect every opponent. 
No, and that's and and he does, and I think that's that's what makes coaching so great. And you talk about it all the we talk about this in coach speak all the time. You know, you 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 only focus on the game that's ahead of you because if you don't, if you overthink it, right? And and with Florida State, without being in that locker room, without being on the, in those meeting rooms, they lose a heartbreaker to Notre Dame. McKenzie or um, McKenzie Milton, yep, has an incredible game. Comes back, nearly had his leg amputated. Comes back, wills the Seminoles into the game. They nearly beat Notre Dame. Is there a letdown that next week? Absolutely. Notre Dame is a premier college football program throughout um, throughout the country. And obviously, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not the biggest Notre Dame fan. You know, it's hard to find Notre Dame and Penn State fans that kind of mesh. But it, it, listen, that's 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 coaching, right? That's you have to be ready to go every single game. And yeah, is. Is playing Jacksonville State a letdown after after playing Notre Dame and, and losing to them in overtime? Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, nobody cares about Jacksonville State. And and so be it. The same thing with, you know, with other games. That's why these teams have this game. But the best thing about, about this for Jacksonville State is they come in, they play at Florida State, they collect their check, and they collect a win in the in the win column. And that's gonna springboard oh them. Gosh into the end of the rest of the season. But, you know, look, speaking of Notre Dame, they didn't handle Toledo very well today no, either. That's a good point. And again, that's, it's just part of being ready every week. And just one last thing, we'll, we'll re- recap more of the Penn State game in our next segment here, but just to wrap up this segment, I I've, I'm 47. I grew up with Florida state being a top five team every year, every year, Bobby Bowden, just, you know, legendary coach. Uh, rest in peace but that program you just knew what you were going to get I cannot for the life of me uh, understand how Florida State has fallen into the abyss like like it has Mike Norvell their new coach I think he's three and eight now I I mean I I to lose to Jacksonville State on a Hail Mary that is that is as humiliating that's Appalachian State Michigan Jared that is as humiliating as it gets and I know Penn State's been through some dark years in 03 and 04, and there have been bad losses. But, man, can you imagine being a storied program with phenomenal tradition and then falling into the abyss like Florida State has? Yeah. Uh, and, and those early 2000s Penn State teams were not good. And, and even at their lowest, even at the program's lowest through all the sanction years, they were still an 8-7 and seven program. Sure. You know, and that's with minimal scholarships. They lost, of course, to Ohio, which which is a fun fact. I had about three or four teammates that I played in high school football with on that team that uh, they came into Happy Valley and beat Penn State. And give them a give them a shout a shout out. It was was there a Futrell and a win? Yes, Futrell win Alfonso Lewis. That's right. And, I, and um, yeah, and, and I did, think that was it. Three or four. Did they did they have a Hollingsburg kid on that team or just the three? I think so kids? too. I yeah, think so. Yeah, I, I remember that. That that was that's hey for for us for us folks now too. That's that's some uh, some local pride on that Ohio team. Yeah, no, it, it's an excellent opportunity, and and you know I think it's it's huge. But um, the big thing is, you have to be ready to go no matter where you're playing, who you're playing, and if you're not, that's on the coaches. I mean, I'm looking at some of these scores here today uh, from this game. Arkansas hung forty on Texas. Um, yeah. Texas is ranked number fifteen in the country. Um, Iowa beats Iowa State, uh, which we'll get to later, um, you know, and, and this is what I love about Nick Saban, the defender of the dark arts, right? He's one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest college football coach of all time. And he rips his players in the media, knowing that that's going to 
that's going to wake them up because guess what? You, you can't wait until you lose. If you're Alabama, like then the targets on your back, the targets on your back, if you're Alabama, no matter when it is, but if you'd go out and you don't play well, he's going to rip you a new one before you get to that loss and wake you up. And that's what makes him so great. You know, then you go in, uh, you look at Oregon, they beat Ohio state today, the fighting Joe Moorheads. And you know, you just got to be ready because college football, man, anybody can beat you on any given day. And that's what makes the game so great. And we are going to get to the Ohio State and Iowa stuff here in a minute. We'll take a break. Jerry can leave us into the break. But we will break down some of the, some of the things we saw uh, from Penn State against Ball State and, and just what we think about this Penn State uh, team going into the Auburn game next week. All right, we'll be right back here on the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll catch you here in a few minutes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Say that 10 times fast. Hey, listen, Ball State is Ball State, Corey, but here we are. Penn State is 2-0 leading into Auburn next week. They have to be feeling fairly decent about themselves. Hey, look, the offense came out and started fast. It's really one of the things that I have been most critical of during James Franklin's tenure. We've seen a lot of the slow, sluggish sleepwalking starts not not the case today the offense came out boom touchdown boom touchdown I thought uh, Mike Yersich was really on his game early on the play calling was good it was appropriate it was balanced they went under center a handful of times Jared whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. it was uh, wait what yeah, I don't think we saw a fullback, but they did go under center. And Neil Riddell from the Altoona Mirror, of course, had to ask James Franklin about going under center. And so, James, there was a little bit of, of a comic relief there in the post game. But it, look, it is. Mike Yersich is going to do a lot of different things with it going under center, using the tempo. The first two drives, they came out and just methodically moved right down the field. And that's what you truly want to see. Uh, the offense kind of bogged down a little bit after that for a while, but that's what I was talking about earlier, Jared, that, that early lead allowed Penn state to really start to work on some other things after getting off to the fast start, like 10, 10 guys uh, caught passes today. Uh, just, I mean, it was just a really impressive all around performance. And it all started to me uh, with the early scores because that allowed Penn State to really dictate what they wanted to do the rest of the day. No, and that's and, and listen, in a high tempo, up tempo offense, you have to start according to your script, and you can't go three and out. Penn State did that way too many times against Wisconsin. You, it, it does nothing to help you if you're three and out and your offense is not on the field. Up tempo, you got to be moving the football, you got to be moving the sticks, and you've got to be doing something. And that's the thing, man. You, if you don't do that, you hang a, a lot of people out to dry. 
the defense was also playing well, and that was good to see. And we expected that after certainly after the performance against Wisconsin, the defense played well, and it, it did very well again today. Uh, so Penn State had control of this game. And so then in the third quarter, what we saw was really exactly what I think James Franklin wanted to do. They wanted to come in, work on the running game. They made a concerted effort, especially in the, in the third quarter. By the way, Sean Clifford completed 12 of his first 13 passes during that start. And, and that's what helped them get off to the fast start. Uh, but in the third quarter, they went to the running game. They got a lot of people involved uh, with, uh, with, with the offense. Noah Kane, uh, 69 yards. Kevon Lee, 68 yards. Uh, Sean Clifford had 66 yards, including a 43-yard run. So they really mixed things up offensively. Meanwhile, the defense – you know, Ball State, to their credit, they can throw the ball a little bit. They got a very good quarterback in Plitt, uh, who, you know, and they've got a nice little passing game. They they could probably do some things against much lesser defenses than Penn State. But Penn State had control of this game. And in the third quarter, when they got the running game going, and then Jesse Lucetta comes up with a real, you know, kind of a, a big pick six because the offense wasn't doing a lot at that point. That extended the lead, and then all of a sudden, Penn State's able to continue to just put the backups in, put Taquan Roberson in, and finish the game the way they wanted to. No, and that's a really good point because, listen, getting to your subs in a game like this is exactly what you need, and that's exactly what they're going to hope to do uh, against Villanova here in, uh, in a few weeks. But if you can get out and control the game and control the tempo and really do your thing and keep you know, keep Ball State off the field. Like, they got 295 total yards, 69 rushing yards, and 226 passing yards. So the defense for Penn State, you know, they held them to to 13 points. And the there just are not teams scoring against Penn State right now. And obviously, we were through two games, and Wisconsin was physically inept in the red zone against Penn State last week. But, you know, that, that's a credit to, to Penn State and Brent Pry. You know, you hold them to – to two, two, two scores, really. You, you have a touchdown and then obviously six points uh, in the first half, two field goals, whatever. But it, it's just one of those situations where, hey, you come out and you do your thing and, and that's a good problem to have. Yeah, they could have won this game by 50 points. It was 44-13. Uh, it, it could have, Penn State could have, beaten, could have scored 60, but they worked on the things they needed to work on. And I do want to get to take one Roberson because he came in, played the last uh, eight minutes or so. The first series didn't go well. It was a three and out, and he, he missed a pass and got tackled on third down. But they gave him another series. And it was important because they let him throw the ball once. They could have just come in and just hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. But with about two and a half minutes to go, they let take one Roberson uh, roll out, throw, throw a touchdown pass to Theo Johnson. That was Roberson's first career completion in college. And you got to think what that will do for that young man's confidence. Now, let me say this. Aside from Villanova in two weeks, I don't really want to see take one Roberson again, okay? Because that means that Sean Clifford is healthy and playing well and, and, and things are going the right way. Uh, but if we do have to see take one Roberson, Jared, just, just getting six, seven, eight snaps, throwing a touchdown pass in college, I, I think that's the kind of thing that – just continues to help him get those butterflies out of the way in case he is needed at some point. No. And that's, uh, that's huge because guess what you, you and I could go out there and run an offense and hand the ball off five times, 
but getting him to play the game and play the offense and run the offense, I think is integral because if you don't, you're not doing anybody a, a service because if he's not able to go out and run the offense the way that he can, you know, and, and that you need him to, when Sean Clifford gets hurt or goes down or is inconsistent, then you are back to square one because you just don't know what you're going to get from, from Roberson or anybody. So getting him that valuable experience is huge moving forward because now guess what? They're able to do their thing and they have a guy that they can start building their confidence in and running the offense in case something goes wrong. Yep. No question. And uh, so what did we learn about Penn state over these two weeks with Auburn coming into town? Well, I would say this, uh, we learned that Mike Yersich can do some different things offensively. We learned that they'll take the deep shots. We learned that the offensive line, I think, pass protects pretty well. Um, beyond that, I think it's hard to say with a lot of certainty that we truly know what Penn State's going to be able to do against an Auburn or an Iowa or, or, or another good team. Um, because, again, th- this, was, this was a tune-up game today. That's why I think next week against Auburn, man we're all looking forward to it an sec team a wide out espn's college game day is going to be there i i just love going into these kind of games uh two marquee programs I, I can't wait for for next saturday jared i think it's gonna be a lot of fun no i'm excited and obviously the plan is for me to be back in the stadium too um so i i'm excited to see a white out i'm excited to just you know just hear the crowd again and just hear it's just the pomp and circumstance, like we talked about in the first segment, because there's nothing quite like a Beaver Stadium whiteout, no matter what it might be. And, and it's a special experience. You know, the press box is going to be shaking up and down when it might actually collapse. We just don't know. And that whole stadium, when it shakes, man, it's, it's just crazy. But, yeah, Auburn's coming to town, and, and Auburn's no, whole, no slouch either. I, I understand that, obviously, they have a new coaching staff. But at the same time, the Tigers are, are, are a pretty good challenge for, out of the SEC. Yeah, there's no question. It'll be, it's, it's not a, a traditional power Auburn, and we'll see what they're going to do uh, with their new coach. They've got an experienced quarterback in Bo Nix. They won 62 to nothing today against Alabama State. I'm not sure you can take anything out of that. But they'll have, they'll have, they'll have the team speed. They'll have uh, highly recruited guys on both sides of the ball. It'll be a good matchup. Uh, but again, that, the wideout, we've just seen it for years and years against Ohio State, against Michigan, uh, against some other teams. I mean, it, the, the wideout is just a special thing, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a blast. No, and, and that's the thing. If there, is an, if there is a visiting team in the non-conference schedule that's prepared or close to being prepared for a wideout, it would be Auburn. What, the crowds that they deal with in the SEC are, are, are far and away better than anything you're going to see in the MAC, anything you're going to see anywhere else. So there's that, but, but they haven't been challenged this year. I mean, looking at the scores, Auburn beat Akron 60 to 10. They beat Alabama state 62 to nothing. What can you take away from that? Hey, they, they score points and they score points at will, but Akron and Alabama state aren't Penn state by any means. So I don't think that they're going to score or hang 60 at Beaver stadium, but I think it's a, it's a good challenge for everybody. It's a night game. And you know, this is going to be their biggest game in front of a crowd in quite some time and a crowd quite like this. And you know, they're playing an hour earlier. Well, although it doesn't really matter because it's 730, it's a night game. But, you know, it's a longer trip coming from Alabama to Penn State. Hey, this is what college football is all about, man. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I do think they're going to have to turn the offense loose. I, uh, Auburn's going to score some points. This is not going to be 
you know, you're going to, I don't think anyway, knock on wood, I don't think you're going to hold them to 17 or 20 points. They're going to score some points. We know Penn State can score points with the deep ball. Penn State's going to have to sustain some drives, get so, something out of the running game. Cause I, maybe some of this is wishful thinking, just like I, I, I had hoped to see this against Wisconsin. I, I think this is going to be a game where both of these teams uh, can get close to 30. And, and so, you know, you, you've got to, you, you, Penn State's going to have to get to 30. Uh, perhaps to win because I think I do think Auburn's going to come in and score some points no and I think so too I think Bo Nix is a very good quarterback it's probably the best quarterback that they've seen uh this season I I, I mean Mertz was well yeah and obviously he was, he was lousy yeah and and you know hey guess what it, it's let's see what they've got and this is I think the way that the schedule is built for Penn State this year is intriguing because you start out with a challenge you have your tune-up game against Ball State and then you bring in Auburn, then you got your tune-up game, and then it, it's just it, it's a very intriguing thing. It's getting yeah. into conference play, but you know they're they're two and zero, and that's I think the best thing right now because some people, not me, um, obviously thought that they could be one and one going into this game. So you know it's it's a good setup for right now, and and but you know. It, College football, you got to be ready to play every day and you got to be able to, to come in and, and prepare for Auburn because Auburn's going to be fired up, you know, big crowd atmosphere under the lights. Game day is in, is in happy Valley next week. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a really cool environment. And I think that's exactly what college football needs and what, what this country needs. You know, it, this is, a, it, this week was a dark week. Uh, it's a dark weekend. You know, we, we saw September 11th celebrations and, and ceremonies all, all the way. And, and I don't think that celebrations is really it the right word there but you know it, it's it's a somber it's a somber occasion but next week Penn State's going to welcome Auburn to town and the pomp and circumstances that make college football great are, are going to be on full display and I think that's exactly what this nation needs and, and exactly what this community and this commonwealth need as well yeah I think that's a good way to put it and uh, we're going to take another break here we're going to look at Ohio State Iowa and the Big Ten and just Man, there there's some there's some uh, some interesting storylines right now after after some of these games these first two weeks. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Myself, Jared Prugar, along with Corey Geiger. We mentioned and alluded to in the second segment that the Big Ten is wild right now. And if you're if you're under a rock, and I hope that you're not, because your pro- your cell service would probably be terrible if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your your podcast from. Oregon upsets Ohio State. They come in, come to to the Midwest. Not quite sure how Ohio is in the Midwest, but that's the story for another day. But they come in, go up, uh, win 35-28, and really dominate the Buckeyes for a majority of the game. And that's not the characteristic Ohio State team that we've seen. Now, if you go back to week one and when they played Minnesota, Ohio State didn't look that great. But you would imagine with a, with a big-time program like Oregon coming in, Ohio State would have been ready and, and would have been able to beat them. But that just wasn't the case. Well, you just used Ohio State winning those kinds of games and, quite frankly, Oregon losing those kinds of games. But, man, uh, look, um, Ohio State threw for 460, 70 yards, Jared. They had 620 yards of offense, and they scored 28 points at home. 
That's, that's amazing. If you think about if you think about the offensive, I think they had 32 first downs. If you think about the numbers Ohio State put up offensively, to only be held to 28 points is, is, is shocking. And they give up 35. The defense, this is just not a, a typically great Ohio State defense right now. So here's where, here's where it's interesting because uh, there are some Penn State fans, probably a lot of Penn State fans, that are going di- to maybe disagree or not want to see my viewpoint where I'm coming from here. And that's okay. This is a, this is a good discussion. I think that's a bad thing for the Big Ten that Ohio State lost. Now, Penn State fans can be like, ah, screw Ohio State. We want them to lose. You know, obviously, you know, anything bad that happens to Ohio State, you know, Penn State fans are probably happy about that. But I think this is a bad loss for the Big Ten because, look, this, and there's a lot of season to go, but this at least changes the odds and the numbers a little bit that make it, more possible, more plausible that the Big Ten could get completely shut out of the college football playoff. Now, I'm not going to go through a, a ton of different scenarios, but basically, you know, if Penn State beats Iowa and loses to Ohio State by a couple points, and Ohio State's got one loss and Penn State's got one loss, well, Jared, Alabama's going to get in. If Georgia runs the table but only loses to Alabama, then Georgia could get in. If Clemson runs the table the rest of the way and their only loss is to Georgia, you got to figure Clemson's in. And so then you've got Ohio State with one loss, Penn State with one loss, probably Oklahoma, Oregon, maybe all battling for one spot. And so, again, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. But, again, if you're Penn State, you want to have a chance at an undefeated Ohio State team. That way, if you beat them, you could pound your chest and you've got everything going for you. I, I just think that if, if from the Big Ten standpoint, you don't want to be losing not, you know, out of conference games, especially at home with your marquee program. No, and, and, that's, a, and that's a really good way to look at it because, yeah, Penn, or Ohio State lost to Oregon. Now, how do they view that loss? Because like, I've talked about this at length multiple times. Preseason rankings are fairly irrelevant, except for situations like this. Because how do you view a 12 12- uh, it's a number 12 ranked uh, Oregon team. How, how high are they? Right. You know, uh, Wisconsin was number 12 when Penn state beat them and Wisconsin only fell just a few positions. Um, but the saving grace for Penn or for the big 10 is the rest of the season for Ohio state. If they're a one loss team, that's okay. But you know, the, what's going to be another thing to watch out for is where Penn state and Iowa are when they play here in about a month, because when that happens, Penn State has the potential to be in the top 10 and, and probably will be in the top 10 after this weekend uh, of action. Obviously, Iowa's going to move up because they beat the number 11 or uh, 10th ranked team in the or ninth team in the country. Sorry, my words are hard. It's getting pretty late here on the, uh, on the west side of the state. But, you know, it, and Penn State's going to come in and they're going to play a ranked Auburn team next week. So Penn State has the opportunity to be in the top eight by the time this is all said and done or even higher. And Iowa has the same kind of uh, same kind of uh, thing. So how how's that gonna, game going to go? And yeah, guess what? If Penn State goes to Kinnick and beats Iowa in, in a dominating fashion, now obviously we we talk about looking ahead, and and that works. Okay, we're journalists, we're not the team, but um, it's just going to be one of those situations. How do they view this? How does this resume get looked at? Look, there's Penn State's got Penn State's got everything in its favor. The win at Wisconsin really opened up a lot of doors. Signature win. Auburn, 
That's right. You beat Auburn. That's great. You, I, I was, I was playing fantastic. They destroyed Indiana last week. Uh, they beat their rival Iowa State this week. Um, so again, there, there are a lot of factors come into play, and it, it's, it's hard to just completely try to look you know, ahead two, three, four, five weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? COVID is still out there. Injuries are out there. There are a lot of things in play. Uh, but right now, the best team in the Big Ten is Iowa. The, big, the best team in the Big Ten is Iowa. I mean, I'll do a power poll here in the next day or two probably uh, on uh, the site, and I'm going to have Iowa at number one. And I don't think there's any question about it because Ohio State just has not looked like itself. Uh, but again, and I know people may disagree because, oh, hey, it's glad great Ohio State lost. But uh, the Big Ten, if as a league, as a league, you want to have as many outstanding programs as you can. And can a one-loss Ohio State team still get into the playoff? Sure. Uh, could a one-loss Penn State team get into the playoff? If Penn State loses to Iowa but then beats Ohio State and then goes on and wins a Big Ten title, could they get in? Sure. I'm just saying, though, that the math right now, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and then you got Oregon, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, maybe a U- well, USC, uh, by the time this is over, they're probably going to lose to Stanford. You just have a lot of factors in play that the Big Ten would have been better off if, uh, if Ohio State comes out with a win today. No, and, and yeah, they obviously you want your teams to win the premier games, the signature wins. But, you know, looking ahead at the, at the potential of Penn State's resume, they can have, you know, three signature wins going into Ohio State. You know, obviously, you got to take care of business in, in every game. But I think if Penn State goes in Ohio State at Columbus, that and they're undefeated, I think that's a really good situation for Penn State to be in. But that's what they need to do to to really, really make a push for the college football playoff. Because if they do that, things are going to happen. And and we don't know how Ohio State's going to recover. I mean, that's a really tough start to the schedule for Ohio State. You know, Here's what I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about Ohio State getting pissed now. And, again, Jared, they lost, and they've got issues defensively, 620 yards of offense, 470 yards passing, Penn State hasn't seen that. And, again, I know we're looking way ahead. I can totally see Ohio State, just like when they lost to Virginia Tech the one year and they come back like gangbusters. I can see Ohio I – mean, I just have so much respect for what that program does. I, I tend to think they're going to be okay just because they typically are. Well, and the, and the Ohio State offense is, is okay, but they've been playing a lot of catch-up football and come from behind football. That's right, and, yep. And, and, you know, looking at the statistics from Minnesota, they gave up over 400 yards to the Golden Gophers, and the Golden Gophers are struggling this year too. So, I mean, the Ohio State defense needs to turn it up. Now, they have a good schedule coming up, which is nice for them. Great. They play Tulsa and they play Akron. So those are two tune-up games for them. But, hey, listen, you, you got to come ready. And Penn State can have – you know, they go on the road to Camp Randall win. If they win at Iowa, I think that's huge. The, the yep. biggest signature win right now is if they beat Auburn at home. Everything else, I think, you know, when you look back and, and you look at the potentials for success for this Penn State team, and you look – let's say we come back at, right before Christmas and, and Penn State's 11-1 and one or 10-1 and one or whatever, or 10-2 – and two, this could very well be James Franklin's best season at Penn State. Uh, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, the 2016 team was a fantastic team with NFL, with NFL stars 
on it and Godwin and Gasicki and Saquon. And again, I know we're, we're thinking, you know, best case scenario here, but that's why let me, as we wrap this up, Jared, when we do this in a week, we're going to have answers to these questions. If they come out and beat Auburn and which they, I think they will, we're going to, we're going to know a whole lot more about this team in a week. Uh, but the bottom line is no matter what happens to anybody else, the schedule sets up for Penn State to control its own destiny. The, the Wisconsin, Iowa, how you, you got it? You got to control your own destiny. And if they do that, hey, this this could be a good. Uh, but two weeks into this, I, I will. I'm just. I, I'm not going to. Uh, you know, lie. I still have questions about this team. I still, you know, wonder what they're going to do when they run up against a, a quality defense. Yeah, and and they haven't seen that. I mean, uh, the Wisconsin defense is pretty good, um, and the Wisconsin offense was equally as bad. But Penn State yes. just wasn't clicking. Penn State hasn't played. Today was a pretty complete game, but it's Ball State. If they come out and play a complete game against Auburn, let's see where we're at because that's going to be the telltale sign of how the season's going to go because I or Indiana is not a good team this year. And I've not been able to see them play, but just looking statistically and looking at, you know, some of their, their last two games, they're just not a very good football team, which is – you know, they beat uh, – they put up 56 against Idaho. Um, so, good for them. They, they beat a sack of potatoes. But, you know, they, they lose to Iowa. They play number seven, Cincy. Uh, and then they have Western Kentucky before they play Penn State. You know, th- we talk about that momentum that first game. They rode that momentum wave, you know, for the most part last season when they beat Penn State. And hopefully Sorry. Penn State, you know, you hope that they continue to ride that momentum and that – what they're doing with, with their wins so far. But that's, again, we get back to the, to the beauty of college football. Every game matters. And every just that confidence, that confidence booster from Wisconsin, that confidence booster from, from going out and doing your thing against Ball State means the world right now for programs like Penn State because now it's another, it's another week where they're preparing for Auburn. It's that 1-0 mentality. It's taking every game by storm. And you mentioned that by the time that this is over, uh, Stanford will have beat uh, USC USC's kicker yeah. got ejected for yeah. targeting on the first play of the game. That's obviously not a big fact. I don't think that that's, you know, too terribly of a, of a factor, but that is absurd to me. Yeah. As we speak, Stanford's pounding USC uh, late, late Saturday night. Hey, we'll, we'll wrap this up with the momentum thing, Jared. We got a lot of good momentum on our podcast. I hope people are enjoying this. We, we try to have some fun with this and some good discussions and good breakdown and everything. I will admit it's hard to break down a Penn State Ball State game because again, I, I don't know that people are necessary. This was this was a fun festive day and a tune-up for people to enjoy. Um, but the it, it start it starts for real next week. Auburn is going to be uh, th- that's gonna answer a lot of questions that we have. And if Penn State gets through that with a win, uh, just like after beating Wisconsin, th- there will be a lot of opportunity to uh, to really start to look ahead and dream of your best case scenarios. So it's going to be a whiteout at Penn state. Like we mentioned college game day, it's going to, it's going to be exactly what college football is all about in the community leading up to it. I know we'll be impacted in Altoona for it because um, we're playing Penn state recruit Mackay flowers uh, in CD East uh, Friday night. Uh, Altoona obviously is the beneficiary of being on the way to state college. Uh, Our hotels will be filled and, and and it's a great experience, but Corey, before we before we end this and say good night to each other and um, and I we finally get some sleep after the the first home college football Saturday of the year, what's your prediction uh, in the score for next week? 
Uh, I want to see the line a little bit. I, it's hard for me to give a prediction. I usually try to wait. I would say I would pick Penn State probably by by a touchdown. I, I don't know about what kind of number yet. I want to see exactly, but I, I think Penn State can maybe get get out of this with a touchdown. I'll throw out a figure somewhere in the 31, 24, 31, 25 kind of range. Um, so that's at least kind of where my mind is at this point. I think I'm going with 37, um, 37, 28 uh, for the score for Penn State to come out on top. I That's like that. I listen. I love points, Corey. I love offense, um, but I think it's a really good opportunity for Penn State to come out and, and really show what their offense is all about and and see what happens. But I think this is going to be a good test for both teams, um, and I think it's going to be a great test for for Penn State moving forward because, hey, guess what? This is uh, this is a pretty good you know Auburn team. So let's see what they've got. And, and you go out and get that signature win at home in front of 107, 110,000 people. If you count literally every single employee um, and, and camera guy and, and media person and, and see what happens. But, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be bright. It's going to be white and it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Can't wait. That's it. That's all we have. That's all she wrote. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Prugar on the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We'll talk to you from Beaver Stadium in the Whiteout next week.